and it's hard. Remember, we just talked about me. I'm from Marcy Projects, and shot at all kind of nothing's harder than this. By far, I'm telling you, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And most people, um, most most humans, us, you know what I mean? We we're not willing to put ourselves through that. Most people give most up. people give up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Boundaries Podcast, where facts are facts and opinions hurt people's feelings. As always, it's Jay. With me this week, I have absolutely no one. No co-hosts, no Willie F. It's December 30th, and I know this is the time of the year where where people typically, you know, do the recaps of the year where the podcast, they talk about, oh, this happened this year, and this was crazy, and this happened this year, and this was crazy, so... I guess we kind of unceremoniously disappeared. I know I like to, you know, tell people to give y'all the heads up when we're not going to be around. I know Willie really just doesn't give a shit. But um, I feel like to those that are devoted listeners that you do deserve an explanation. So um, this is going to be my year end wrap up. It's going to be the recap of what's been going on the past few weeks and just to catch y'all up to speed. So going into the new year. The full no boundaries experience is going to be something more magical than it's been for the past two years now. But where would I start? Um, Let's just start at the top of the year. Um, I got my girl back at the top of the year. That was that was dope. Made me happy. Um, I bought a car around, let's say, March ish, maybe February, March. Um, That car was stolen in May. Yeah, that was that was an ordeal. I don't know if I mentioned that to y'all yet, but had my car stolen while I was gone on vacation, as a matter of fact. And I still haven't figured out how they stole my car, but they did steal my car and had to go all through that in May. Um, got a new car in June. Same car, just, you know, a little more low key. If you can call it low key. Well, it doesn't call it low key at all. Uh, I went on my first cruise end of June, beginning of July, around the 1st of July. Let me tell you, that cruise was great. Like, it's like a floating hotel with room service and everything. You, the, All the food's there. There's gambling. There's shows. There's all the drinks you can drink. You go to the dock, and, you know, we went snorkeling, and I can't swim, but I was still snorkeling because the fuck else do you do when you go on a cruise? You, you, you live. You live fucking life, and we went to the all-inclusive beach resort where you were just, they bring you the drinks while you're on the beach, the clear water, the white sand. There's a lot of water stuff going on. Again, I don't swim, so I really didn't partake in too much of it. I did do the whole parasail thing, but not when you up in the air. Like, I guess that's the parasail. Whatever ones where you're on the boat and he's just like wind sailing you out there. I went out there. I seen like the clear water where it looks like you could just reach down and touch the bottom, but it's actually deep as fuck. You know, um, that was dope. Uh, I went to Chicago in August uh, for work. That was crazy. Um, it's always good to, to to travel on your company's dime and, and get kind of like a mini vacation, you know. But to me, that's like when my year started to take a turn. I lost my girl on that trip. Uh, yeah, that happened. Um, my mom's dad died. 
sometime after that timeline gets fuzzy from August up until this very moment. And it was weird with him passing away because I really didn't have a relationship with him. I think I maybe seen him five times in my whole entire life. And and it's weird how like when these distant relatives pass and you just have you have to go and show support to your in this case, I had to go show support for my mom. And, you know, her relationship wasn't the greatest with him either. But, you know, that's your at the end of the day, that's your father, you know. So you you go, you show that support. So, but then I learned a lot of stuff about him, you know, about uncles that I knew I had, but really didn't know I had aunts. I didn't know he served in the military, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And he was very tall. He had a head full of hair when he passed away. I think he was like 83. So hopefully I keep all my hair for, you know, the next however many years I'm here. But yeah. And then recently my dad died. He died December 23rd, which is the day after my birthday. So the story goes that he woke up, had a really bad migraine, like really bad migraine, sensitive to light, sensitive to sound, just very sensitive to everything. And so his girlfriend was like, here, lay back down here. Take some leave PM, as a matter of fact lay back down, you know, try to nap it off or whatever. So he took the leaf PM, a couple hours go by, still has this very, very, very bad migraine. So my grandmother lives close. So his girlfriend calls my grandmother and she, she's like, Hey, Tony's over here. He has a really bad headache. You know, I can't, you know, I don't know what's, what's going on. We took some leave. It didn't work. And stuff like that. So my grandma comes over and she gives him more headache medicine. And she's like, okay, take this. And if it's not better within the hour, we're just going to go to the emergency room. All right. So he takes that. And then sometime in that time span, he's, he's using the restroom and he loses the use of his limbs. Like he, he, he's, he's sitting on the pot and he can't get up. Like, you know, he, he can't get up. So the girlfriend's trying to help pick him up. You know, she's not strong enough to pick him up. She calls my grandma, my grandpa, you know, they help get him up. And it's like, okay, this is, you know, bigger than a headache at this point. So let's, let's, you know, take him to the emergency room. So they're trying to get him, get clothes on him, get into the emergency room. And, and this time he starts vomiting. He's, he's throwing up. And so, you know, it's, it's full out panic mode. And so they take him to not an urgent care center, but to a real emergency room. And so there's when they get there, you know, the doctors, you know, they tell them what they know is wrong. And the doctors start working on him. And they say, well, his blood pressure is sky high. Blood pressure is super high. And so they're like, you know, we're trying to get his blood pressure down. And my grandparents and they, they live in a small town. So they're like, you know, we want to get his blood pressure down. We want to get him stabilized. We get him stabilized and we're going to we're going to, you know, ship him to towards Houston, towards a bigger city. You know, I'm, I'd assume better doctors, um, you know, more resources. That's what they want to do. So they're just trying to get him to stabilize. They're trying to get him to stabilize. And so eventually he does stabilize. So they're able to transport him. 
And so once they get to the emergency room and closer to Houston, you know, my grandma tells me she's like, you know, the doctor was literally standing there waiting on you kind of know, like on Grey's Anatomy when, you know, they say, oh, we got a trauma coming in or whatever. And the doctors are literally out there in the parking lot, just like waiting for the ambulance doors to pop open. She said, like, that's what it was like. The doctor was literally waiting there for him. And so they take him in there and. You know, he he stay, he was stable enough to transport, but I'm and I might have this timeline and the details all mixed up, but. He's he starts coding and I th- I, I never really looked up what coding meant, but I, I'm from watching, you know, Dr. Dramas, you know, you assume that coding is when well, matter of fact, let me just look it up. Okay, so code is a slang term when a patient in cardiopulmonary arrest requires a team to provide or to to rush to a specific location to begin immediate resuscitative efforts. So basically his heart stopped pumping. He coded. People had to show up to perform CPR. So this is going on. He'll code. They'll bring him back, try to stabilize him. He'll code. They'll bring him back. He'll code. They'll bring him back. I want to say this happened three to four times. And what my grandma would tell me was she would say, well, this is what she told me that the doctor told her. She was like, you know, if he keeps up at this rate, he's going to end up brain dead, you know. And then it's, you know, because, you you know, your heart stops pumping the blood. You're not getting oxygen to your brain, you know, for these your ongoing periods of time. So you know, you end up brain dead. So she said that it happened like one more time. And then he didn't come back. But to to actually go back into the story. One of the last things he said to my grandma when she came over the house to check on him, you know, she's like, he's like, why are you talking so loud? Like the, the headache was so bad that. And my grandma doesn't have one of those big, boisterous voices that fills the room, you know, nor is she this little petite lady that has a soft voice. You know, she's just a regular, regular woman voice for a 70 year old woman. But like the headache was so bad that the, the just the sound of people talking regularly was killing him. And he was just like saying, you know, why are you talking so loud? Fast forward a little bit in the story. When he got to the emergency room closer to Houston, they tell me all he kept saying was, I can't die on my son's birthday. I can't die on my son's birthday. And mind you, like I told you, my birthday, December 22nd. My dad died December 23rd at 1.40 in the morning. And if anybody listening to this and, and knows me on a more intimate level, you know that I didn't have the best relationship with my dad. Like he was he was in and out of prison most of my life. Like most of our correspondence in my 31 years was through letters and phone calls. It wasn't a one on one thing. So, I mean, he wasn't at my high school graduation, the numerous basketball games I played. He wasn't there. He wasn't at my college graduation. You know, all these, you know, monumental events in my life. He he wasn't there. 
because he was in prison. So for him to not want to die on my birthday said like a whole lot to me. It's like he knows that he wasn't there. Obviously, I've, I've, I've read the letters like he always apologized profusely for not being there. And he was always so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, this happened. I was trying to do right. And, you know, I just got caught up again, you know, and, you know, he 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 knew he wasn't there. And to me, the way that I interpret that is like, I don't want he didn't want my last memory of him being I died on your birthday. So every year on your birthday, I mean, you know, people are people are going to die. And you will remember the date if they're close to you or if they're family or whatever, what have you. But he wanted to make sure that at least for that 24 hour span. That's my birthday. That it wasn't another shadow caused by him. And that's crazy to me because I held so much resentment towards him for the simple fact that he wasn't there. Like I wanted him to be what he didn't know how to be. I wanted him to be a father. I wanted him to be a dad, you know, that's at the games. That's, that's teaching me about life, you know? And I, I, I remember numerous times in my life having conversations with my mom and she's like, God, I wish you had that father figure because this is just kind of where, where, where a mom stops. This is, this is the limitations of a mom. And, you know, this is where a dad, you know, usually picks up and runs with it. And, you know, uh, everybody will say, oh, Jay's pretty much he pretty much made himself into a man. And I was like, no, you have to give my mom credit. You know, she did everything that she could under the sun for us. But, you know, at the same time, there was there was stuff that I had to learn on my own. Because I didn't have that father figure there that I still deal with today. And I mean, it's it's stuff like interactions with women, like, you know, knowing when it's time to, you know, give them enough attention or knowing, you know, hey, I've given this woman all that I I've can. I can give her, you know, I need to stop. Or it's like, you know, this is when it's time to take that next step because I never had an example of when it's time to take a next step and you know is it was just something that i have to figure out on my own and i'm not you know giving you this oh poor jay story because i'm not the first i'm not i'm not gonna be the last like no matter if you're black white asian you know there'll be somebody with this story or a story quite similar so you know i'm not being all pitiful and sad about it but i'm just reflecting i'm reflecting on 2018 so bear with me um so yeah that was that was it was it was weird because like i said i didn't know how to feel in the beginning because of our relationship like i knew that he was my father i knew that i loved him i wasn't sure if i liked him but i knew that i loved him because it seems like his viewpoints on life were very different than mine for the most part like I'm more of a white collar type.
type of person. I work in corporate America, stuff like that. And he was a hustler. Like, that's that's what he knew how to do. He knew how to hustle. He knew how to get out there and make ends meet. He didn't know that, you know, I'm always going to have a check coming on the first because of the work that I put in, you know, the month prior. So every day to him was a hustle. And everybody told him, man, your dad is so smart. It's so smart. It's so smart. And the thing about that is, and this, again, is my own interpretation, that the nine to five was to put a clamp on his creative mind. Like he wasn't designed for a nine to five. He had to challenge himself mentally. And the way he chose to challenge himself wasn't always the most legal way. So, you know, hey, he did what he had to do to survive. I know that if I ever needed anything, no matter where in the world he was at, he made sure that I had it, whether it was through the assistance of his parents or (laughs) one of the numerous, numerous, numerous girlfriends that you'd meet and whatever, you know, but he always made sure they took care of me and my sisters to the best of that he can, you know, and I mean, that's, that's who he was. Like he was, he was never a sad guy. You know, you would think that going through what he went through, basically the whole, my whole entire life, you know, that he would be sad or be down in the dumps, but no, he always was positive. He always had a joke to crack. He, always had a smile or, you know, some deep intellectual thing to tell you. Like, he read the, the entire Bible and the entire Quran. So there was, uh, there was very little religion that you could miss him on. And so I really, it, it really didn't hit me until, like I said earlier, when they were talking about, hey, you know, he, all he said was he didn't want to die on your birthday. Like, that's when it hit me because... I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sure he knew how we felt about him. Like, yes, we love you, but we want you to do better. You have three kids that all graduated college, and we just want to see you do better. I even talked to my youngest sister. Like, at her graduation, she said, I just want you to do better and be okay. Like, that's the only thing you can give me is to do better and, and be okay. And that was, literally, that was literally three weeks before he died. And then we had to, like, we had to plan the funeral. This is all new to me. And that was wild. And then you do the viewing to see if the body is prepared to your liking. Damn, this shit is dark. But, you know, that was done. And then we had the service yesterday. And and now it's all done. And, you know, and and then this, mind you, December 20th, my birthday was on the 22nd. He passed on the 23rd. 24th Christmas Eve, 25th is Christmas, then the 29th we had the service. So like this whole week of where your family is around, it was a family in mourning. So yeah, everybody's coming over and they're bringing food and everything, trying to help out, checking on my grandparents, checking on me, checking on my sisters, make sure that we're okay. And you know, and but you know, this is the time when families are together. So we're all together, but yet it's it's, it's like a bittersweet moment. Yeah, your family's together. It's the holidays, but you're here because somebody's not here anymore. So that that, that my week has been heavy. I've, I've maybe slept, let's say, 24 hours in the whole week. Like, I'll sleep hard for 30 or 45 minutes. And then after that, it just seems like I take 15-minute naps, 15-minute naps, 15-minute naps. And then 
the days are just so long, like the longest days ever. Like I'll look at the clock and it's like seven o'clock. Are you serious? It feels like midnight. So 2018 has been a hell of a year. Like I, I was talking to my mom. I even told her, I was like, this has been the best year of my life. And this has been the worst year of my life. Like I had planned on becoming engaged this year and then stuff happened. And then I didn't become engaged this year. I didn't think that I'd have to lose a parent this year. And then I lost a parent this year. And I I never thought that I would have a vehicle stolen, but you know, that happens. I, I do live in Houston. Was it still the fourth biggest city in the country and shit like that happens anywhere you go. So, but with all these, these lessons and these events that's, that's happened throughout this year, it just reminds me of time, like the construct of time. Yes, we're here for a while, maybe not a long while, but we're here for a while. And, you know, if you and of course, this is, you know, when you kind of lean on your religion, you know, when things when things go bad, you really lean on your religion. And when things go good, you're like, oh, yeah, I praise him, but not as much as I did when things were going bad. So it's like. I'm. I'm looking at things and it's like, you know, they're saying, you know, hey, your dad's in a better place, you know, and I I even quoted Jay-Z at the at the service where he says, you know, my physical's a shell. So when I say farewell, my spirit will find an even higher plane to dwell, which I, that's something I truly believe. Like, you know, you're apart from your from your earthly body now, you know, so that is just, you know, the vessel that carried you between living in heaven you know so that's it is what it is but i also think about how people say you know hey you sit and sit and wait on god he's going to repair your situation he's going to fix this he's going to make you happier than you've ever been happy he's going to make you more successful than you've ever been and you know just you know hold hold your faith in god and everything like that and that's something that i do believe i do believe that you know when you're spiritually healthy and sound that the things that you manifest in this world will come true but I also believe that it takes some work with that. You just can't sit there and say, and I've said this on, on the show before, that you just can't sit there and say, you know what, I want God to bring me the man of my dreams or the woman of my dreams. And until then, I'm just going to go to church and go home. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go home. I'm not going to work on myself. I'm not going to become any better. He, you know, God's going to bring me the job of my dreams. And until then, I'm just going to stay at Burger King you know, I'm not going to try to increase my skills. I'm not going to try to become more proficient at my job now. I'm just going to sit and wait. And that's the whole classic, you know, faith without works is dead. You have to do something. You have to look at this time. Time is time is both precious and plentiful. And it's also very rare. Like you run out of time thinking about waiting until tomorrow and then everything ends today. So. And this is just coming from me and my heart. Like I look at the time that I've wasted looking for signs or waiting for confirmation or waiting to, you know, this moment, you know, hey, I want to plan this perfectly. I want to make sure in three months on this day, I want to do this. I, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a propose on this day or, you know, I'm going to ask my boss for a raise on this day or, you know, I'm going to reach out to my dad and, and try to fix our relationship you know, on this day, I'm, I'm going to wait till New Year's Day to start getting 
healthy, I'm going to eat right, and I'm going to get in shape, but I'm going to start on, on January 1 to do it when you may not see January 1. Straight up, like, what's stopping you today? I mean, is, is, the, is the moment any less special if you do it, you know, December 30th instead of December 31st at midnight? And I, and I know that, you know, people like symmetry and, you know, start at one. Don't start at 30. Who starts at 30? You know, let's start at one and do it from one. And I mean, that's fine. That's what you like. But what I've, I've learned this year is as I sit here and I reflect that time waits for no man to advance your relationships with people, to advance your situations to advance your happiness is what it boils down to like if you're not happy you can't just sit in the house and wait for happiness to come knock at your door like a pizza delivery you have to do something every single day that makes you happy and if you don't know what makes you happy you have to go find it i literally put out a poll on instagram because i didn't know what really makes me happy so i was like what makes y'all happy like maybe i can steal some ideas or be like oh that does make me happy too and i didn't realize it and you know it's 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 crazy that you know you get into such a routine of life that you know you don't really start prioritizing your happiness you prioritize it prioritize the things that you need to get done i need to go to work i need to go to the store i need to go to the dry cleaners you know, I need to get home. I need to clean up. I need to cook. You know, I need to get all this done because I need to take a bath and I need to go to bed at this time. Like all these needs and you rarely put your happiness as a part of those needs because, you know, if you're getting all these things done, you think that's what's making you happy. But I think happiness is uh, is one of those needs too. like I need to be happy. I need to take time out of my day to make sure that I have A, B, C, D happy moments. Because that's what's going to drive this day and and not have me dragging through with a heavy heart for all day and not going to work and not really wanting to do my job because I don't want to be there because I'm not happy. And it may not be I'm not happy with a job. It's just I may not be happy with something else and I brought it to work. Or I may not be happy with work and then I brought it home. Like you got to prioritize that happiness in my perspective. So going into 2019, I, I'm, I'm personally going to try to prioritize happiness every single day. I'm going to try to do at least four things that make me happy every single day. And I don't care if that's just, you know what, I like the breakfast tacos from this place. I'm going to go over here. You know, I'm going to leave a little early. I'm going to go get one of these breakfast tacos on my way to work because that makes me happy. Or... I like listening to this song and singing it at the top of my lungs in the car because that makes me happy. It's one of my favorite songs. I'm going to do that. Or even even if, it, if happy is like, it's going to make me happy today if I just come home and get right into bed. That's what's going to make me happy. But I want to do at least four things a day that are going to make me happy all of 2019. And I want y'all to keep me honest about it. You know, every now and then hit up, hit up hit up the SoundCloud, hit up the IG, hit up my personal page. Hey, did you, did you find your happy today? Did you, did you make your happy today? Because mentally I have a list of what's going to make me happy on a long-term basis. Like mentally, I know that I want to be married. 
I know who I actually know who I want to marry, but that's another story for another time. I know where I want to be in my career. I know that I want to have children. I know that I want to name them something close to these names. I already have a list. You know, I know that I want these things on the long term. But what are the day to day happy things that I'm going to do that gets me to where I need to be on that long term? And that's where I really need to work is on my day to day and stop just kind of floating by and letting life just drag me on. It's, it's a take charge thing. I would always say, you know, the universe is going to make things happen and God's going to make things happen. And I believe God is going to make things happen, but I believe I need to help him, too. So I guess this is where I'm personally going to get into words of advice because I don't have somebody else taking up the majority of the show. I took it all up myself and I apologize. I meant to tell you all at the beginning that if my voice isn't your favorite voice, then this episode just isn't for you. But my words of advice is, is what I'm actually going to steal from well, who actually stole it from somebody else. We were talking, we were actually talking about sports, but it, it's, it applies across all boards. And he goes, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And I'm sure you've heard this before, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You don't eat an elephant in one big bite. You don't just gulp down an elephant like it's an Oreo cookie. And if you can gulp down an Oreo cookie in one bite, you're a bad motherfucker. But the way you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. So going into the new year, when you're making your resolutions, resolutions, resolutions. Wow, I'm so country. We make your resolutions. You know, hey, I'm going to get fit in 2019. I'm going to eat better in 2019. I'm going to do this in 2019. 2019 is your elephant. Make sure you take smaller bites. I'm going to do this today or I'm going to get this done this week. You know, I seen one post that says, don't worry, your new season is starting. You have 12 or what does it say? Your, your new your new show is starting. You have 12, 12 seasons and 365 episodes or something to that extent. I thought that was pretty dope, but not dope enough to write down and remember. But anyways, uh, 2019. Uh, I hope it treats y'all better than 2018 treated me. And I hope to see y'all in the future. Again, we thank y'all for the support, the comments, the likes, the referrals. When y'all buy the shirts, like, you know, we don't ask for much. We don't ask for money or anything like that. We just ask that, you know, when you do listen, you let us know that, hey, I like what y'all said about this. Or, no, y'all were real off base about this. Because sometimes we don't fact check. We just be making shit up sometimes. You know, sounds good. We run with it. And, you know, that's why we appreciate when y'all get out there and it's like, actually, you know, this, this, and this, and this, and this. We may not go back and do a retraction, but that's knowledge that you're giving us. And hopefully we're giving you some knowledge, too. So with that being said, this has been the No Boundaries Podcast. Thank you for listening. But ever since the dawn of civilization... People have craved for an understanding of the underlying order of the world. There ought to be something very special about the boundary conditions of the universe. And what can be more special than that there is no boundary?